0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrak. When we read
1: that God is a jealous God, never imagine that God is jealous of us. He's jealous for us. That's a big difference. It's not a play on words. He loves us so much and he wants to protect us from these false gods who are no gods at all and will never be there for us. And this was what they were doing and God is saying, put them away.
0: Have you ever felt like something in your life was taking the place of God? Maybe it's your career or money or even a relationship. You'll learn in Pastor JD's message today that even God is jealous for us. He wants us to turn away from those false idols and put him first. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, Chapter 4, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: So, Chapter 4, again, just one chapter. I mentioned this last week. We're certainly not in any hurry to get through this book, and so, so much here, and I don't want to rush through it. Really want to give the Holy Spirit the much-needed elbow room so to speak, so that he can minister to us what he has for us tonight. So why don't we begin with a word of prayer. As Kapono just prayed, that's a good prayer. (laughs) So let's pray. Lord, we don't want any distractions from whatever happened today or this week to in any way. Keep us away from what you have for us here in your word tonight. Lord, we so look forward to these Bible studies. We can just come together and put all the busyness aside and give you our undivided attention. You meet us here. You minister to us here. You speak into our lives. And Lord, we're just so desperate for you. We're so hungry. We're so thirsty. We're so needy. Oh Lord, we need So Lord, would you not just bless our time together, in your word, but do what you desire to do in our midst in this time. Lord, for any that are hurting, Lord, would you just encourage and strengthen those seeking wisdom, Lord, would you hear from on high and hearken to the voice of our cry. Lord, you are so faithful, even when we're faithful. And so, Lord, thank you for that. So we commit our time together tonight to you, Lord, and ask your blessing on it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, all right. So here in chapter 4, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is warning the people about the terror and the judgment that is coming. And sadly, southern Judah will not heed this warning, and as such they will be taken into captivity by the Babylonians, as northern Israel had some 100 years prior to this been taken captive by the Assyrians. So God is just pleading with His people, as we're about to see, especially in the first four verses. But The matter before us, and I really want you to think through this and hold on to this, because really it's the the matter at hand, if I can say it like that. The matter before us is one of whether or not we in our day will heed the warning concerning that which is coming. Now let me explain just by way of a preface before we jump in. The prophetic parallels to our day and what Jeremiah writes in his day are, I'm going to use the two words which we'll talk about more in a moment, chilling and stunning. Chilling and stunning. Because here's the fact of the matter. Judgment is coming. This is a warning to us. That's why it's in our Bibles, by the way. You know, I think sometimes we would do well to ask ourselves the why question. God, why did you deem it necessary to include this in the pages of Holy Writ? Answer, because I want you to heed the warning that judgment is coming. This is what's coming take heed, because it is coming. My people Judah did not take heed, and it came. We're going to see some pretty graphic details and descriptions in the prophesying on the part of Jeremiah concerning what would come, and what ultimately did come exactly as God said it would come. So, for us tonight, and one more thing real quick, there is this propensity for all of us to disconnect, even disenfranchise ourselves from a chapter like the one that's before us under the banner of, well, this was for them then. It really does not have application for us now. Oh, yes, it does. In fact, it could be argued that, The application for us now is more pronounced than it was for them then, when you consider where the world is at today. It is coming. And this is a warning from God through His prophet Jeremiah to the people. And one of the things that's going to come out of this chapter again is that it is a plea from the loving heart of God. He loves His people so much, and that is the common thread woven through the fabric of these prophecies, this book. And the reason that is so germane to our understanding is because absent the understanding, really the misunderstanding of God's love. We can read and study a chapter like this and miss the whole thing. And in fact, it really does foster the aforementioned disconnect and disenfranchising ourselves from the text because we don't see it, we don't understand it, we misunderstand it, and as such we don't apply it to our lives. We become, as we are learning from James and our study through James on Sunday morning, we become merely hearers of the word and not doers of the word. God is, through the prophet Jeremiah, pleading with his people, take heed, you need to do something about this, because this is a warning about what's coming. So let's jump in, verse 1, "'If you will return, O Israel,' says the Lord." Return to me, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. If then, if you, then I will make you immovable. What are these abominations? Well, these are the false gods that they would bow down and worship, and lest we be too quick to, again, disconnect ourselves from this and say, well, that was then. I don't have any idols or graven images that I were I don't worship Baal. Well, not so fast. Uh, the names have been changed to protect the guilty. Uh, same gods, different names. They've been repackaged and it's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Those things that have taken the place, the rightful place that only God should have in our lives. And we pay homage to them, we bow down to them, we honor them, we worship them, we give our allegiance to them. They become the master dominating affection and even obsession of our lives. They're the thing we think about most. They're the thing we invest in the most. I'll just leave it generic like that for you to fill in the blanks. And the Holy Spirit's always so faithful, ever so gently, ever so loving, to put His finger on that which is an abomination in the sight of the Lord, displeasing, in the sight of the Lord. When we read that God is a jealous God, never imagine that God is jealous of us. He's jealous for us. That's a big difference. That's not a play on words. He loves us so much, and He wants to protect us from these false gods, who are no gods at all, and will never be there for us. And this was what they were doing, and God is saying, put them away. Get rid of them get them out of my sight. Then, if you, if, big if, right, first word, verse 1, right out of the chute, if, if you will do this, return to me, put away these abominations out of my sight, get them out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. Well, again, they won't heed this, and they were moved when they were invaded and taken captive. And verse 2, you shall swear, the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. Well, this is really a continuation from the previous chapter, which... The Lord is essentially continuing to plead with His people because of His love for His people. I mean, it makes sense, right? If God didn't love them so much, if God didn't love us so much, why bother? What would be the point? I mean, you're you're not going to care enough to warn someone you care not for. It's because you love them so much that you warn them, plead with them because of your love for them. Again, I don't think it's possible to overstate the importance of understanding that this is written out of love from a Father in heaven who loves us so much verse 3, For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and do not sow among thorns. Okay, just hang on for a moment before we move to verse 4. It it ties into verse 4, but don't think of fallow ground as just being this hard, uncultivated ground. No, at one point Fallow ground was very productive, but it became fallow and hard and unproductive because it was neglected. No plow would break it. No seed could be planted in it. And if you were to plant, it would be just sowing among thorns, because now that fallow ground, once productive, is now barren and hard, and there are only thorns in place of what used to be there when it was cultivated. So now, how does this tie into verse 4? Well, he goes on, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it, because of the evil of your doings. We're going to talk more about this evil in a moment, but I want to draw your attention to the connection between the fallow ground and the uncircumcised heart. Of course, metaphorically, the cutting away of the flesh in the spiritual sense. Your your heart is covered in flesh, and your ground is covered in thorns, if I can say it like that. So we need to do something about this. Let's start with break, that word break. It's where we get, I know this is deeply profound, the word breaking, when God breaks you, when God breaks me. No, I need to be broken, because if I remain unbroken, my ground fallow, full of thorns, and my heart uncircumcised, full of flesh, if you will, God is saying, if you remain in that state, you leave me no choice. (laughs) And really, if you think about it, this is the why behind the what concerning their obstinance. They had a hard and uncircumcised heart. And God is drawing upon these analogies, which they would have gotten and understood, I guess in our day, You know, the agricultural society and economy and world is maybe foreign to us. Circumcision of the heart again, potentially foreign to us. But they would have got it. I think if you want to bring it forward and just apply it to us in our day, it would look something like this. Is my heart so hard that the seed of God's Word is not met with the supple soil of my heart. Why is my heart so hard? Because it's unbroken. Why is my heart so hard? Because over time I've neglected that once cultivated, supple, fertile soil that was so receptive to the seed of God's Word hanging on every word, a thirst, a hunger for the Word of God. But over time, that waned, and oh, it comes with a heavy, heavy price. I think of A. W. Tozier. I know I've shared this before, but I have a, of course, he's with the Lord now, so this probably isn't very fair, but I just have this love-hate relationship with Tozier Chambers too, Oswald Chambers, you know. I remember a season of my life, I was, you know, my devotions were spent for like three months in Tozer. And about the third month, towards the end of the third month, I was like, I can't take this anymore. (laughs) I mean, he just pulls no punches, just says it like it is. I don't want to hear it. But the problem is, I need to hear it. There's this one particular writing of his concerning the fallow ground. He says, you know, the fallow ground is content, and he uses the word smug. It, it never is interrupted by the plow that comes in, as plows always do, quickly and harshly, all businesslike, and break the silence that the fallow ground was enjoying. I mean, it, everything was fine till the plow came in to start breaking things up. I was content and smug in my <laughs> fallowness, my hardness. Kind of gotten used to the thorns actually, truth be made known. And then here comes the plow of God's breaking, and it disrupts and interrupts and breaks. And that once fallow ground, though peaceful and silent and content and lullabied into a spiritual slumber. Well, now that's all changed. But the heavy price that fallow ground in all of its smugness paid was that it was barren. No fruit. Nothing grew there. It was dry and hard and barren. You have to allow the plow to come in and break up the fallow ground, so that the seed now can be planted, and new life can germinate and sprout and bear much fruit. But it has to be broken. How about this removing of the flesh by way of this circumcising of the heart? You know, the flesh, the world, the devil, the big three, As it were, your heart is too fleshly. Your heart is too worldly. And here's the problem, my beloved. (laughs) I I can't stand to see you in this condition, because there's so much I want to do, but I can't. You need to get it away, break it up, and cut it away so I can. And that's what he's pleading with them concerning. And it comes packaged with this Again, warning that if if again you don't do this, my fury will come forth like a fire. I've stayed my hand heretofore because I'm long-suffering. I don't delight. <laughs> I I don't delight or take pleasure in disciplining and judging and chastising. It's the last thing I want to do. I want to give you every opportunity to repent so I don't have to. But we force God's hand. Now verse 5, declare in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, blow the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together and say, assemble yourselves, and let us go into the fortified cities, set up the standard toward Zion, take refuge, do not delay, for I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. Look at this imagery. Verse 7, the lion, typically docile until there's occasion or reason to rise up. And that's what we get now here in verse 7. The lion has come up from his thicket, and the destroyer of nations is on his way, speaking of Babylon. He has gone forth from his place to make your land desolate. Your cities will be laid waste without inhabitant. For this, verse 8, clothe yourself with sackcloth, lament and wail, for the fierce anger of the Lord has not turned back from us. Wow, how you doing so far? Are you okay? Oh, it gets better. Actually, it gets worse. So <laughs> if you want, we can bow our heads and close our eyes. You can slip out. Of course, we'll stop you in the parking lot. Make sure you can't. You'll have to come back in. I'm just kidding, by the way, for those of you, i got to be careful what I say. So what's happening here? Why so strong? Well, because they haven't repented, and they're not going to repent. They're not going to take heed to the warning. And it's like God is saying, you're forcing my hand. I have to bring destruction and desolation, because that's the only way. It's come to this it's the last resort. I have no choice. And, verse 9, it shall come to pass, in that day, says the Lord, that the heart of the king shall perish, and the heart of the princes, the priests shall be astonished, and the prophets shall wonder. Then I said, verse 10, and we talked about this, I think it was in chapter 1, you're going to have to bear with me on verse 10. He says, ah, and this word translated, ah, doesn't even begin, doesn't even come close to communicating and articulating the intensity and the enormity of the emotion in which it's said.
0: We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah here on In Spirit and Truth.